Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do this. This is the word of God for the people of God. I don't know what to do. When pastors have people come to their offices for counsel, often they're in a situation where they don't know what to do. Maybe you've said that yourself at one time or another in your life, or maybe one of your children has come to you and said that, I don't know what to do, or a friend seeking counsel, I don't know what to do. Certainly, when we began to hear about this new virus in the world sometime back now, And we didn't know very much about it because it was a new kind of virus. Lots of people were saying, I don't know what to do. We were having to make decisions based on little information. Anxiety skyrocketed across our country and around the world because people did not know what to do. Paul is writing to a group of anxious Christians. They're not sure what to do. This is a group that he has shaped and formed, called together to be followers of Christ. But now, rather than focusing on how to live, apparently some of them have gotten caught up in the idea that Jesus is coming back soon to inaugurate a new age. This age is going to end, a new age is going to start, and they want to know more. And they're anxious about when and how all of that is going to happen. You can hear it at the beginning of chapter 5, the chapter we were reading in, but before where we started, Paul writes, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So the advice Paul gives is about how Christians wait or live when we do not know exactly what is coming or when. And that's a circumstance we continue to live in with a worldwide pandemic, with COVID mutating, coming up with new variants that we don't understand completely and are not sure how to combat. Of course, the way those spread is in us. We're the incubators for not only the spread of the virus, but for the mutation of the virus. It's clear now that vaccinations make a huge difference, and the more of us that will get vaccinated and stay up to date on our vaccinations, the better chance we have of slowing, if not stopping the spread. But at this point, we're not near enough of us vaccinated so it continues to spread and mutate not only in our country but around the world it makes for anxiety to continue to stay high as conditions remain fluid and it's hard to know 
what to do. Paul is addressing all of this. How shall Christians live in such uncertain circumstances? Paul is ready with advice. This book, this letter to the Thessalonians, full of advice. We have a portion of it this morning that we're focusing on as we seek direction, as we seek this gift of direction as followers of Christ. In the portion we read this morning, he gives us three do's and then two don'ts and then three more do's. Starting in verse 16, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Then the two don'ts, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise the words of prophets. Then three more things to do, test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Depending on your situation, some of those strike your ears with more force and more relevance. It always depends on what we're dealing with in our lives, which portions of Scripture speak most clearly to us. I would suggest whatever your situation, you select which ones seem most relevant for you and endeavor to utilize the advice well. But despite which one of that list or other list Paul gives in this letters and others that you choose, Paul wants you to hear the prayer that follows in verse 23. He writes, May the God of peace personally sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ sanctify is not a word we use much these days but it is an important word for us to know as christians i want us to spend a few minutes here so we all have a clear idea of what paul's talking about and what we're talking about in christian theology when we talked about being sanctified or sanctification or sanctifying grace they're all related ideas john wesley the founder of the methodist movement after extensive Bible study, decided that grace was a really important concept for us to understand. And he wrote about preventing grace or the grace that comes before salvation, justifying grace or that moment of salvation when we accept the love of God into our lives and acknowledge that God is at work in our lives and will forgive us of our sins. So many Christians stop there. Wesley went on and said, but there's so much more. This sanctifying grace or this process of sanctification is God's love at work in your life for the rest of your life, transforming you into a fully loving person. That's what Paul is praying for for these early Christians at Thessalonica. It's a prayer that we all should be praying in our own lives as well. Wesley became so impressed with this idea as he studied scripture that one time he wrote that he thought maybe god had raised up the methodist movement precisely to be a group to tell all christians in their teaching and preaching about sanctifying grace or entire sanctification so what wesley sees here in the scripture that he wants us to understand what paul is writing about is they're saying that God loves us and God saves us, 
but also that this divine love gradually transforms us into the fully loving people God intends for us to be. It's not too strong, I do not think, to say that this love is to transform each and every one of us and is transforming each and every one of us into the image of Christ. Wesley wrote volumes on all of this. I want to read you just a few sentences as he describes what he's talking about and what he's discovered in his study of Scripture. He says this, Salvation is carried on by convincing grace, usually in Scripture termed repentance, which brings a larger measure of self-knowledge and a farther deliverance from the heart of stone. Afterwards, we experience the proper Christian salvation, whereby through grace we are saved by faith, consisting of these two grand branches, justification and sanctification. By justification, we are saved from the guilt of sin and restored to the favor of God. By sanctification, we are saved from the power and root of sin and restored to the image of God. So when Paul says, may the peace of God himself sanctify you entirely, he is praying for us to be made into fully loving people so that the love of God is not only poured into our lives, but pours out of our lives into the lives of others. Now, when Wesley writes about this, sometimes he calls it being sanctified or sanctification. Sometimes he calls it being made holy or holiness. Sometimes he calls it being made perfect in love or sometimes he calls it christian perfection he means the same thing with all of that constellation of terms let me read you just one last sentence he writes about this he says entire sanctification or christian perfection is neither more nor less than pure love love expelling sin out of our lives and governing both the heart and life of a child of God. Have you ever heard or read about the day that Thomas Edison's lab burned down? It's a story I read recently. I think it can help us understand this advice Paul is giving and how you might apply it in one's own life. It was about this time of year, actually, December 1914. By the time December rolled around in the year 1914, Thomas Edison was well known. He had discovered a lot and learned a lot and shared it with others. He had built a large laboratory in West Orange, New Jersey. He had hired lots of assistants and other researchers that were working with him. And then one day... The building catches on fire, and all of a sudden the flames are burning out of control. Everyone has to evacuate the building. This was a laboratory that in that day was worth probably two-plus million dollars, and all of Edison's notes and research was going up in flames. His son was in a different part of the city but heard that the laboratory was on fire. He rushed to the scene. 
He was looking for his father. He found him outside looking at the flames. But he said he was so close to the fire, it was like his face was aglow. He was feeling devastated by it all. He runs over to his dad to see how he's doing. His dad sees him and says, where is your mother? You need to go find your mom and get her here. She will never see anything else like this in her entire life. And then the next morning, it said that Edison was walking around the charred ember, smoke still here and there coming up in wisp into the air. And then he said some words that were saved. I want to read just three things he said in these very short, but I think profound sentences. He says, there is great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. It's a great perspective. I think it's what Paul is talking about when he writes to these Thessalonians and says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We need God's help to fulfill these instructions on the Christian life. But the good news is that Paul goes on to share that the good news we can count on is that God is at work in us now and forever. Wesley says the same thing over and over. He wants us to grasp this idea that God's love has grasped us and will not let go and is at work even now transforming us into all that God wants us to be. When Paul writes about and prays about all of us being sanctified entirely, it's a prayer that God's love will fill us and shape us and form us. It's a promise, Wesley says, that God gives us and God would not give us the promise if it wasn't possible. In verse 24, Paul says, the one who calls you is faithful, and God will do this. God can sanctify you and will sanctify you, Paul is saying. That this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for all of us. And it's not that your life will be perfect from then on. Or that you'll never make mistakes or never run into obstacles again. That's not what this is saying. It's not what this means. It does mean that we believe as Christians that we can grow in faith over and throughout a lifetime. That we can mature in our life of love. And we can become fully loving people in all that we say and do with God's help. And it does mean that God will never abandon us. That God is coming to us. That the flow of God's love is ongoing and is being poured into our lives. This is the promise of Advent and the gift of Christmas. Dr. Eugene Peterson was a New Testament scholar, a pastor. He spent about a decade 
struggling with putting Scripture into contemporary English, sometimes it's really helpful to hear how he's worded these sentences. I want to read to you his translation of what we began with this morning. He writes it like this. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. Don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Check out everything and keep only what's good. Throw out anything tainted with evil. May God who makes everything holy and whole make you holy and whole. Put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If God said it, God will do it. Let us be a people of expectation and anticipation during this season of Advent. Let us be a people of prayer and thanksgiving because we know that the amazing gift of Christ our Lord is coming our way. May it be so. Amen. And thanks be to God.